What am I going to have like two uh, two and a half snifters of a twelve percent? Yeah, that's I, no. I want something to you know watch a movie or watch TV with, and that's that's not it. I want to have this on a dining room table with somebody and be like, just look at it, just look at the label, <laughs> look how it pours. Let's <laughs> untap it together. <laughs> yeah, I'll, never drink snifters alone is yeah. the uh, the name of this episode. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Kentucky Commons. Today I, David Satterley, am joined by co-host John Renane. Hello. And a one special guest, Mike Abel, head brewer at Bork and Ale House. Did I say that right? You did. That's out of Carmel, Indiana, and you're also a cellarman at Ashenelm Cider. Correct. How many jobs do you have? <laughs> Count the ones that I'm paid or not paid for. <laughs> I was going to say, like, you're in good company. You're like a guy <laughs> in your 30s in the year 2023. Like, I think we all have like five or six jobs, just kind of like a pr- prima facie or whatever. It's kind of built into the generational uh, definition at this point. So you're it's in good company. Soft, huff, soft, soft hustle culture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Gary Vaynerchuk. Two <laughs> points for John bitch. already I'm using words. I don't know. Oh, okay, <laughs> so. okay, okay. Uh, yeah, Mike, thank you for coming on. We appreciate you coming down all the way from Carmel, Indiana. Yeah. But we are going to start this podcast the same way we do all of our podcasts with a special beer. And you brought not one, not two, but literally like 18. So <laughs> There's a cooler. <laughs> There's a cooler. <laughs> so I'm going to let you pick what we start off on because I am super interested in all the things from Carmel, Indiana and regionally. I don't get up there too much. Yeah. A lot of people in the Louisville area, it's, it's kind of a bounce back to scene, right? That we're sister cities by one way or another, but uh, maybe just by regionality. Uh so Carmel is just north of Indianapolis. Just take Keystone all the way up, or for anyone else, taking 31 straight north. And we'll, uh, I brought a sampling of what's two that are regularly available that I brew myself, and then one that I also brew myself, but it's not regularly available. <laughs> nice. Those are the best ones, honestly. Yeah. So let's start. Um, I was going to go this direction here. So hmm. if we're going bitter bitterness units up the scale yeah so um just a classic hefeweizen hell yeah so a little bit hazy we're hefe boys good good a uh, little hazy you know spice of course those notes i've been playing around with a couple of yeasts my provider uh recently stopped carrying a yeast that i really enjoy so this is that yeast and it's probably the last one <laughs> <laughs> so that's okay got a few kegs of it and it'll be done i kind of want to guess like uh oh please I do kinda, i mean i'm not a huge like Hefeweizen and aficionado by any stretch, but uh, let's see. So it's, it's not the traditionally huge banana bomb mm-hmm. that you get in the nose. So, it, John, I think if you smell all three before you <laughs> hand them to us, you might have a better idea. I think so. Wait, what does that mean? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, this, to me, is more reminiscent of like either the American Hefe or maybe even the Bavarian Wiesen that you would get sometimes. Like White Labs does one. I know Omega, or, uh, Omega does one, but I can't remember what strain that is. Am I out close to the mark? You are close, but I, I, I do get dry in and prop up, so that knocks out omega. And well, if they unless they do a dry batch, I'm not sure if they do dry. It's not WBO six. No, okay. no. This is a think kind of sideline. Um, it's not escarpment labs, but something similar. Uh, I'm not good enough to guess the strains from those folks. All okay, right. Clu- it, clue us in. 
It's Apex Labs. Oh, Apex. So, yeah. We just started carrying uh, their nutrient. I haven't gotten any of their yeast strains in yet. Their yeast like nutrient. Them? Their yeast nutrient is awesome. Yeah. I will have vigorous within overnight. If I hit all my numbers the next morning, so much gas. They're based out <laughs> and of the like, uh, well somewhere too. in Europe. I was just reading about their company when we were getting into it all. Yeah, they yeah. like... Uh, they seem like they're making some good stuff. Okay, I'll have to try their yeast, and yes. we'll recommend that to all the listeners. For sure. I, For the most part, I can get most of them um, in and have no problems. This is one they stopped carrying, so I wouldn't push it because I don't know about their production scale, but uh, it's special wheat, and it comes out kind of across, like you're talking about, like some of that dry... Mm-hmm. It's very dry for yeah. Hefeweizen. Yeah. That's what I like in Hefeweizen, and it reminds me of the Bavarian... Um, so White Labs does two... Hefe strains. They do more than that, but two big ones. They're like 300 and the 351. The 300's your classic, like Munich Hefeweizen. Mm-hmm. The 351 is like the Bavarian Hefeweizen, or the Bavarian Wiesen, they call it. And it's like, let the banana's more subdued, and then it just dries out. It's a little more balanced. This reminds me a lot of that, and it's my favorite one. This mm-hmm. is great. This nice. is an excellent Hefeweizen. Thank so, you. Thank you very much. So for anyone that's not a home brewer, uh, this is a Hefeweizen from Fork and Ale House? Not Correct. Fork and Ale House. Fork and Ale House. Fork and Ale House. Fork plus it's Ale House. All. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, this establishment. It's a kitchen, brewery. Correct. So they came about in 2019. I'm their third brewer. Uh, First one had a bit of uh, family issues, had to step away. Uh, I replaced the person who was second. So hopefully I'm replacing them with a better option um, because they were removed from that position for (laughs) not the best brews. (laughs) Ah, nice. (laughs) So uh, I'm still here. That's good. I'm going... uh, I want to say two weeks from now, I'll be there for a year, solid. I don't have any assistance. It's just myself. Wow. Um, you guys burn a fairly large system, right? Uh, large-ish. It's um, For one guy. For one guy. <laughs> it's a psycho brew system. Are you familiar? No, no. Okay. Enlighten me. So it's it's a four-vessel hot side, and each, um, each uh, container, each pot is 100 gallons. So... Because it's tall and thin, I don't like to push my limits somewhere between two and three barrels on each side. So you get this mash in the center. You can do a strong pull and move out to the sides, no problem. And you do boil both on the same side or, you know, items one and four if you're looking at it. And you end up with anywhere from on the small side, I can do safely two barrels or so and not not worry about it, barrel each side, and then up to five, so two and a half per side without it affecting the boil time. If you go up to that full three-barrel line, uh, dispersion of heat, it's tall and thin, so it takes forever to reach a boil. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, kind of that sweet spot, too, where like mm-hmm. a lot of people who want to maintain the like vibe of being able to do niche kind of homebrewy kind of fun things without mm-hmm. having to focus on production schedules, without having to focus on all of the things that kind of become problems when you do become a big brewery. Mm-hmm. That seems like a really good sweet spot. So for the restaurant, yes. I, I love that fact because I can do – they were a restaurant first, even though it has brewery into the name. I think that was kind of the addition, the positive news, like, hey, we can put beer with this that we make on site. Well, now it's one block away in a warehouse, but still very close. And uh, I would call that on site. Yeah. yeah, it's on yeah. Site. <laughs> if I can walk over a keg, it's on site. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but and that's not, you guys make more than just your own beer on site, too. I think a lot of the ethos behind Fork and Ale House, you guys make your own pizza dough. You guys make like a lot of the stuff that are served to the customers. What, any other kind of things that stand out to you that well, you munch on? All the food stuff is scratch. Like, I highly, not as much as I used to whenever I first got there because uh, I would expand, but <laughs> many, many pizzas and calzones. It's yeah. dough from scratch. Um, all the meats are smoked in house, you know, for hours on end. There's, smoked turkey there's oh. beef just shredded beef there's 
oh man, the turkey, and it's using the beer too. So they'll um, do a smoke, and then to keep it moist, they'll uh, braise it in the beer Ooh. and finalize yeah. it. Yeah. All right. So oh, day trip good. for anybody listening. Go yeah. Take a little trip up to Carmel. Visit Mike. Visit Fork and Ale House. Uh, tell us maybe just a quick overview too of uh, uh, Ash and Elm. What you're doing in that role with the uh, yeah. cidery up there. So I am just a cellarman. For those who are unaware of that role, that's kind of like this step on role where you do keg cleaning, tank cleaning, some smaller p- tasks where you're putting some fruits and other fruits. In this case, a lot of apple base, and then using to that. But um, I really like the people that I work with and. Um, I just fill in when I can one or two days a week. Uh, seems like they, man, their, their output has been insane lately. It's been, they're just expanding at such a rate. I just love everything that they do. Like they did a vanilla pawpaw cider. I don't have it with me, sadly, uh, <laughs> but there was such a small batch when things are strange and small. Um, the first one where it was during the winter, they kind of like toy around with what you get to do. And for myself personally, I was able to get a, Pardon me, making sure that's okay. My pocket. The uh, uh, I I got to do a cider of my own that was kind of funny. Nice. And they they're like, okay, you can do something. And I think they kind of regret it because I did <laughs> nice. gochujang bubblegum. Hmm. And uh, I called it K-pop. So I worked reverse engineered from where that was. There we go. There we go. Yeah. And see, <laughs> I see that face. That's uh, that's why I did it. <laughs> I am uniquely. Uh, inspired and both terrified <laughs> by the prospect of it i thought you were a k-pop guy yeah i, I mean yes but uh gochujang and bubblegum it it is just enough spice where you can taste it on the front and the back end but the bubblegum it just gives it this weird candy lift in the middle you know that strawberry banana float with an apple base with an apple base hell yeah i'm here because like a, like a spicy apple cider like i'm i'm into mm-hmm. that like Okay. Well, good news. I brought one. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, your background's in beer mm-hmm. uh, going into cider, is that more of like just interest or in, like your foray into that? Is that? Yes. Yes and no. So the necessity of what I had, um, I'm not sure if anybody else had this thing, but I had caught COVID a couple of times being on the serving line here in Louisville, um, an essential worker who needs to serve beer. Um <laughs> But in doing so, I think some of my GI had changed its function, so I reacted differently to certain things. And I didn't know exactly what that was. I was going through testing, and I know this industry, and I know fermentation, at least from the base level, not necessarily top-tier fermentation science, but I'd like to be on that side. So whenever my partner and I found a house up in Indianapolis, they were hiring. It seemed like a great fit. And then six months later or so, we figure out it's not directly gluten intolerance or it's not protein intolerance of that sort. So I'm not sure what it is still, but certain things can trigger it and certain things don't. It might be IBS, not to gross out the audience. but I, for as much beer as I drink, I have a wheat allergy. I think everyone really? does. I feel yeah. so much better when I just don't do heavy gluten. Like yeah. I feel so yeah. much better. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Just, just a general allergy that I sometimes pay attention to. Sometimes I don't. It might yeah. also be called being in our 30s, folks. Let's, oh, no. uh, let's get okay. real. I, ju- I just crossed the line. Yeah, shut up, David. You're 30 now. I'm not ready. You can't for, go back. In my 20s, I was allergic to, to wheat. Uh, we did a, uh, a Polish-style wheat beer with Fall City, and they actually have a press that they can run all of their liquid through. Hmm. So once we mashed in and had everything rolling, it actually presses out everything. And for me, 
I thought it was really like warm in the tap house and I was just drinking like one of these and I'm like, wow, it's like, I'm on fire. <laughs> and they're oh, like, I'm inflamed. Yeah. And they're like, they're like, no, it's like normal temp in here. And I'm like, okay. And I had another, I was like, this is really good. I love this beer, but also like I'm sweating. And yeah. And I, I ended up doing like blood tests and whatnot. And it was like, it's wheat. And I'm like, but that's weird. Cause I can drink Hefeweizen and be totally fine. Uh, but something about like pressing out those big, like gluten molecules and having it being so con- like compact actually had a different effect than just regular, regular old wheat. I love wheat bread. I eat things with wheat in it all the time. No problem. So, so is that not to bounce into your life in that, but, but the, cause this is just giving me insight on things that it could be for me that, uh, with that in the press, is it, say, pressing out of the mash more like a brew in a basket type where you're just pushing all the last of that wort in? Uh, okay. Yeah. There's probably bigger starches that would get through that might otherwise just gotcha. not be rinsed out right. all the way. Okay. Yeah. Because it's it's kind of like if you ever brew tea, mm-hmm. um, you know, you put the tea bag in. And the, the, like, the worst thing you can do if you brew tea at home is once you're done and you're like, oh, my tea's all brewed, you pick the bag out of it and you squeeze it. Tannin extraction. Because that yeah. pulls all the tannin out of it. And I, it, my idea is that that's kind of what the, the press did with the wheat. Gotcha. And that produced, uh, you know, more like complex starches in there. Hmm. People do dry January. We should just do Clarity Firm January oh, this year man. and just try drinking that gluten-reduced beer and see how we all feel like at the end of a month or whatever. Uh, I can't imagine like, that that wouldn't have a negative health effect. No, at all. not at all. Yeah, and our beer will be, be very well stabilized. <laughs> no, Shout I think I would that. I would feel great. And usually, whenever I'm at work, and I met with uh, some homebrew people last night, and I brought half gluten free beers, and then I would drink half from the tap, just because I, I don't know. You know, certain things would trigger it, certain things don't, and I just feel better if I know. I'm putting a limit on something. Yeah. I'm just it's delicious. As a footnote, cider doesn't have gluten in it. Nope. Correct. Yeah. Just so, apples, maybe. That's, Although, yeah. does bubblegum have gluten? I just, uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, no. no gluten in bubblegum either. All right. Well, this is kind of where you are, and that's a great story. Yeah. But take us back, if you would, Mike, because uh, I've known you for quite a while, and you've been in and around you know, Louisville, Southern Indiana uh, for a long time. What got you into this whole kind of crazy line of work? I've seen you. You know, you've been in the service industry. You've been in the homebrewing community. You've been in the craft beer community. What was your first foray into this kind of weird world? Was it industry side? Was it beer side? Was it homebrewing side? Do you well, remember? I, I remember exactly what it is. And do you want to be involved in that? Sure. Because it's you. Oh. <laughs> I feel like a Taylor Swift song right now. <laughs> I, I Insert, feel like, I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah. yeah, you knew the answer and you like just No, I really did not know like, the answer. Like, no, no, Mike, no. tell me I helped you get into beer. <laughs> no, I didn't. Anyway. anyway. No, it's... Um, Shut up, David. Go ahead, Michael. <laughs> Please, please, gosh. The uh, So there was a previous homebrew shop in town, my old Kentucky homebrew, and it was actually you on a slower day that I came in and was just looking at formulating recipes. And I come into things like this sometimes whenever I have like an egoic mind. This is 11 years ago. Um, and I just thought, well, I can write a recipe. I'd be fine at it. You were trying to help me. And uh, sounds like it didn't. But uh. <laughs> nope, I didn't take the advice. <laughs> But I did an orange peel pale ale, and you kind of looked at all the items together and were like, yep, that looks about right. But I, of course, using T90 pellets, um, had more alpha acids than I would normally have calculated for. I did calculations for whole cone hops after reading, I can't can't remember if it was, uh, I think it was Michael Jackson's uh, book. Um, he did a lot of them. Good Beer Hunting was his series. His book was just, I think, Tasting Beer? Or was that Randy Mosher? Any, one of those. That's Mosher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
there was that, and then the the homebrew Bible mm-hmm. combination. Yeah. I, I can't remember who. Not to like not call out these authors that have begun my beer journey, but I don't. They're kind of the zeitgeist at this point. I feel yeah. like they're our founding fathers. Yeah, yeah. So um, in after that, I was reading for that, and I didn't realize at the time I had to make the difference between T ninety pellets and whole cone. So I put in about thirty percent more than I needed, and. Uh, during secondary, added some orange peel for everything to settle down. It was great, except a uh, lot of front end hops, thirty percent <laughs> extra, and you end up something you know a bit astringent that almost reads like uh, an arrogant bastard if you threw orange peel at it. Sure, <laughs> oh. it was not what I intended. I still drank it and was like, I'm not right on this. But I'm close, and I'm gonna keep doing it. <laughs> that's the spirit that you yeah. want. That's like the yeah. uh, what do they say? Try again, or fail again, fail better, or whatever. Yeah. That's and the mentality that you have to have. Then I had five gallons, or roughly so, of beer at the house that I didn't have to think about, and like, okay, maybe it'll get better with time. And some of that did soften mm-hmm. out, you know, three, four months later. But I wouldn't call it good. It was just, yay, extra beer. I, I like to think that every I know they don't, but I like to think that every homebrewer adopts the same mentality that I have when I cook, where I'm like, eh, I'm gonna eat it because I made it, not not because it's good. No. Like I, it's not good, but I'm I'm gonna eat it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's what else are you gonna do with it? Am I really gonna drain all of that beer? Or are you really gonna throw away that meal? I like to call it drinking your mistakes. Is yeah. like kind of what my <laughs> philosophy is like when you have those beers. Yeah, yeah, but sometimes letting them age actually does go a long way. So yeah, yeah shout outs to that. Uh, and so then you kind of developed as a home brewer. Yeah. Um, and I know you worked in the restaurant industry around yeah. town a bit too. Uh, did those things kind of happen simultaneously? Or how did you kind of decide that you wanted to dive into you know the world of beer on a more professional side? So that came from kind of uh, a pairing of who I hung out with on ta- in town. I say on town, in town. The, on the town. On the town. Governor. Um, so after a couple of years home brewing, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to hang out in all these breweries that are in town and uh great flood brewing i'm not wearing any of their gear but they uh that was what year was this because how many were there uh this now by this point was like 2015 so there was three four so you had apocalypse bbc great Great flood Flood, and maybe maybe atg atg would have been open yeah atg i guess and then just river city draft house in cumberland Yeah. yeah 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 in cumberland of course yeah so it was kind of the small pocket where I would try beers from all these other places, and it was great. But then I would call Great Flood, um, I called it the free pizza bar. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, they have that open food carry. I just, I would literally open go there. Carry. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's true. It's a good description. The license of it. I would just show up and be like, all right, it's 8 o'clock. They're open till midnight. I'm just going to bring a book, and I'd have usually a stout and then move my way and say, all right, what's interesting there? Try something else. And on my second beer, it would not fail because the Oreos was right around the corner. Someone would go, I ordered a Gibbon. Anybody want the rest of it? <laughs> yeah, sure. Dude. Happened more, like, more than 50% of the time that I went there. For people listening, they must know what a Gibbon is because this pizza does not fit through a standard front door. You have to have double doors or lean it on its side. It's, what, 40 inches? It might be 48. It's huge. 48 <laughs> inches. Why? <laughs> it's just larger than I'm a like standard a, door frame. It's four feet. It's a four-foot pizza. It's it's huge. And I have also eaten them. And yeah. uh, they do take a team yeah. of people. And people laugh because they would order them and have them brought to the bar. Someone walk over and get it. And then they would go, oh, you, don't worry. Like, you'll be fine feeding six people or whatever. And they're like, no, should we get two? 
<laughs> Are you kidding? So, I'm sure we'll come back to it too, but like, I don't know, that harkens back to a time that's nostalgic for me. And like, mm-hmm. you know, in craft, honestly, not even in Louisville, but just for like what craft beer was at that point too, because it was kind of exactly what you're describing. Mm-hmm. It was like, we, we talk a lot about like the third space on the mm-hmm. podcast where you're not at work and blah, 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 blah. Um, that's like such a good example of what that was. And Great Flood was a really good place for that uh, and still is. Yeah. But to find that in 2015, 2016, like those formative years, I'm kind of waxing at this point. No, but it makes You sense. know what I mean? I don't know. Did, did that did that feel like that to you at that point? Or is that something you only recognize looking back on it? It felt like home at the time where I just went, something about this. I don't know what it is, but I feel like I could go in here, I could order a pint and not, like the rest of my problems were on pause for two hours. No one brought anything up. If if you wanted to gripe about something, you could. But most of the time, you would just share pizza and beers and talk about the best parts of your life and be more of a positive pusher. And that's, I don't know, I just always had a great time. So I just associated that with kind of that space. Um, but the the evolution of that was that whenever I wanted to work in the beer industry, probably a couple of years later, 17, 2017, I think, I put in applications around town, but I I limited it to places that I really enjoyed, and Great Flood was the top of that list. And then uh, they said, "Hey, come in," because I think you kind of like I feel the way I feel like it went in my head was like you kind of ingratiated yourself there too. It's like, "Hey, like I'm just going to hang out and learn how your system works while I'm just like hanging out here eating p- other people's pizza and drinking your beer." And then it it's a really natural transition to be like, yeah, "I know how to brew." They're all kind of home brewers. They all have that mentality. Um, so you got the job and was it pretty easy to kind of start brewing there based on kind of transitioning the processes that you've been doing at home, taking them to a larger scale? Well, the other, uh, to answer the last one first, no, yeah, <laughs> so home, no home to home to professional is something else entirely. Um, but for them, I started out as a bartender cause I thought that that was kind of the jump beer tender sorry certified cicerone beer tender not certified cicerone certified beer server or cicerone yeah um, it's pronounced chicharone oh yeah those are delicious yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. but they uh i thought i could start from that side and i thought it would be a lot quicker of a process and i want to say it was 2018 early late 2017 i think it was 2018 but um getting in on the beer side i thought oh okay so i could you know go and brew with matt sometimes that at the time was not the way it worked and uh uh, for those familiar with the town structure, uh, a couple of years went by. They were doing all these tap takeovers, and then the restaurant became an option for them to open up on the east end. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the focus went over there, but then nothing was necessarily lost on the east end spot. It was just now they have food at a different location. So I feel like a lot of people new to the beer scene know them from the east end. Definitely. That's very true. That's very true. They took uh, the old Wicks. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that right? Or mm-hmm. Texas Roadhouse Wicks. I think it was a Wicks. I think it was something. I think it was a Wicks, and then something that didn't work, and then oh. they got it. Maybe there was a golfer bar in between there that yeah. made no sense. Yeah, oh. but interesting. But then, so how'd you jump into the uh, the? You did brew there for a while, right? Because I know you were making some creative stuff. So it was on the assistant side, under, yeah. under Joel. Okay. So Joel was from, oh, who made Domicine? Now I'm forgetting things. Domicine, Tin, Tin Man, Tin Man. So that's right. Yeah. yeah. Joel was part of the Tin Man crew and was absorbed whenever Fall City um, took over their facility. And then he was brewing for Fall City, and then he came on to Great Flood to relieve Matt. And Matt could kind of deal with the whole business structure rather than just brewing. So Joel, shout out to him. 
um, he he stepped on, and there wasn't really a place to for him to need help until I asked incessantly. <laughs> and for all the listeners, like I, the one thing that I think is kind of fun is like you know that Louisville's developing as a beer city when all this shit starts to sound like the Habsburg Empire. Like all these people like have all these intertwining like relationships. These people are absorbing these people. There's like marriages. There's like uh, anti popes. All this kind of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But to me, it is a sign that Louisville was really starting to mature and maturing kind of to, I would say, the burgeoning shadows of where we are today uh, during that time. Um, and that's about the time mm-hmm. that you started moving, thinking Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. So I was um, assistant brew for Flood, and I've done, I want to say it was two or three batches on that scale, but Joel was obviously there in case something went wrong. Um and they weren't necessarily like the lead for it, but I, he was just like, you're going to have to learn how to do this anyway. So then I did, and it was great. But then uh, my partner and I were living apart, and we wanted to be together. The housing market was about to be what it is now. You were still living in southern Indiana at that point, I was, right? yeah, yeah. Commuting yeah. in every day. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of that was either living in Harrison County, Indiana, or living in New Albany, which the funnest part was living in New Albany. And then one morning in winter when my car would not start, and I had a... 6 p.m. shift Holy over shit. here. So it was 12 miles of Greenway, and it was under 30. And I just went, oh, my God. I have to do it. No. I, yep. <laughs> so bundled up, made the 12. Uh, definitely had. Uh, I would have called in and be like, I died. Sorry. Click. No, I was lead bartender at the time. Yeah. I would have been calling me. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Hey, Mike. Mike can't make it today. That's amazing. <laughs> Mike, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to just go back just a few steps sure. but um we're talking about great flood is one of those places that like started establishing third spaces in louisville to me what always stood out was that they constantly had like taproom programming before mm-hmm. people had taproom programming there was like the run club there's games on tap there was all kinds of like the free pizza there's a book club there's all kinds of stuff and even to go as far as you just talked about it being really cold outside it was like if it snowed we're opening up at what noon was it? Uh, it was the oh, I'm gonna. It was basically like a, a snow day. Yeah, and it was basically like if it snows on the ground, we have someone that lives close enough they're gonna walk and open up the tap room early because right. because of how many people in the neighborhood would actually just walk there? Well, then they also had the flood deal as well the uh, the flood watch deal or flood warning deal. Sorry. Oh, nice. If there was. Now, don't put this out that I believe this is not active anymore because there's not a training system in place. This, you know, like many things, it's depending on where your focus is. But at one time, it was the flood warning deal. If there was a local flood warning for Louisville, obviously it was if you can get into the tap room and we someone is in there, five dollars for a growler fill. Amazing, that's so, awesome. Like, if if you need beer, even or, if you or, come up in a yeah. boat. I think it might have been half off. So I'm I'm remembering things, but it's everything's hazy. Of course, I've had several hundred thousand beers in between <laughs> that point. Uh, but there was a flood warning deal, and I I always loved that because they would be like, "Well, who's going to come in?" Well, the entirety of Bel- like Bellarmine neighborhood, yeah. everyone in that spot. Right, right. They just come in same way with the snow. They're just walking in snow. Like, can I have a beer, please? Absolutely. If I'm here, you're here. Let's go. I mean, what else? <laughs> what else do you do on a snow day when like school's canceled and you're like in your junior year and you're like trying to drop out, but you're like, damn, I got two more, <laughs> yeah, two more semesters left, yeah. and I got this stupid piece of paper. But uh, or they they allow kids too, at least in actually, yeah, yeah they both still locations still. Yeah. So they um, you would notice that families were like, 
I can't work, but I have to take care of my kids. Can I please just come in and have a beer? You can do whatever you want. I know you live four blocks that way. You're walking with the kids through the snow. Do come in and have a beer. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like not my decision too, but it was like it, it was basically if the bartender could get to the bar, it was gonna open. No problems. So speaking of having another beer, oh, uh, no. I cracked this open. This is a cider, I believe, from yes. Ashen Elm, where you're cellaring. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you say this was? It was a mango habanero? Uh, habanero. Um, I think it was called It's El, El Camino. It's a habanero. Um, I don't know if that's the pineapple or not. For those just in the audio, I did not have these fully labeled, so that's on me. <laughs> no, this one, I got the pepper yeah. uh, in the nose. It's not super spicy or anything, but you get that little teeny tickle of capsaicin mm-hmm. back there. That's delightful. And yeah, it uh, tastes like mango to me. Yeah. Tastes like mango. It, there's another fruit besides apple, and I think it's mango habanero. That was the other that kind of paired up to it. That's yeah. what it tastes like. That's quite good. That's it's delicious. Bu- it's building a little more as I sip on it. I'm finding the heat. I um, like this, though. We had... Uh, we had um, Pivot, uh, Martin and Pivot Ooh, yeah. uh, on earlier and or like uh, it was half year ago at this point. But anyway, <laughs> no, it was earlier this know. year. I can't keep track of fucking time. But uh, cider is a whole thing that people don't think about enough too. Kind of like either yeah. if you're approaching it from gluten standpoint, but even if you're a beer lover, especially in the fall, just like branching out and trying some cider, mm-hmm. highly, highly recommend. So, and, so, so good. And you go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I love beer. Like it's been the most like unique interesting thing that i've tried over the course of like my young adult life trying cider and wine has like completely enveloped like a whole different taste profile Mm -hmm. um the the things that are bad in beer are good in cider and wine it's very very confusing uh when you're a beer judge Mm -hmm. um but this cider is fantastic thank you i I like it a lot i had on this day i was probably Actually, I was near the room where we were processing peppers. That person, <laughs> whenever you cut, you know, I think it was like 10 or 20 pounds of peppers, you wear the full goggle gear. You go in full scuba to make sure that none of it gets to you. And it's one room with as much ventilation as you can get. And then you do a steep series. So you, it, not giving away any secrets, but depending on what the item is, it needs to either be steeped hot or cold in either juice or fermented cider to get that final extract. And then it's you know, parts per million from there. You yeah. just got to build it up from a tiny glass to 40 barrels, 80 barrels. Who knows? Yeah, this, this, this is the spot. This is great because you don't taste the heat, but then it just kind of just lingers back there. It's not spicy by any definition, but you get that little bit of warming mm-hmm. uh, that works really well with the fruitiness, and it's just freaking delicious. So, yeah, I with, like that a lot. Um, through the shop, do you see a lot of homebrew ciders go through or no? Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's very seasonal. So, like, you know, usually like uh, August, September, a mm-hmm. little bit in October, but that's like the big cider season. People will kind of get interested in making it. Um, I, but I would say more and more every year we see a little uptick and more people interested in doing that because it's so easy. Yeah. Uh, you just get yourself some decent juice and a little package of, I mean, you can use like wine yeast, you can use ale yeast. I think cider yeast is just a blend of like, ale yeast and wine yeast, mm-hmm. although there might be some specific cider strains. Uh, but it's so freaking easy. A lot of them um, don't. They'll either push or mute the sulfur notes. So mm-hmm. they might be like more mm-hmm. active or more la- less. Whatever the fermentation profile you're looking for, it could be blowing it off or not even producing it to begin with. So yeah. who knows? Yeah. Well, talk us through a little bit too. So uh, at this point, um, you had 
worked at the Louisville scene for a long mm-hmm. time, uh, even ridden your bike in uh, the blistering cold to uh, drive across the goddamned Ohio River. Mm-hmm. But at some point, uh, you decided to transition a little bit further north. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you just kind of you wanted to. Did you know that you kind of wanted to stay in the beer industry, or like wh- what was that like when you decided to kind of change the venue? It's um, it's kind of strange because at the same time, I was looking for something that filled this educational gap on myself and it was either going to go deeper in the beer world um which i was already doing but then i had also gotten my uh personal training certificate uh-huh. so i'm a certified personal trainer that also has for everyone knowledge. just listening uh we should also just uh, encourage you to subscribe to our youtube because mike's jacked come on <laughs> david's <laughs> also jacked yeah I'm covering it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, not to derail you. Just to no. Stay, but, yeah. um, so it's a different kind of thing. Uh, I was looking for a different pact of education. I'm still taking those classes now, but it's it's helping out, let's say, two or three people a, a year versus what I thought it was going to be. You know, seeing small groups of people or helping hundreds of people through like a business. I just operate as a small LLC and train people that just want to change themselves through that so it was either going to take that route or the other and whenever i saw that they had an opening for a sellerman i thought okay similar not the same but close enough that i could understand the mechanics so i've cleaned kegs before i've done lines i've cleaned tanks i can at least do those things so and and your partner was like i know you have two jobs but like can you please get a third (laughs) i yeah so (laughs) she was actually she was the leading factor once we found a house that was perfect we were the second people to tour the house for uh, whoever's listening that understands the house market exploded in what is this 23 so late spring of 22 just started everything scouting up yeah and we got ours at a good time in indianapolis uh within the 465 limits and she we signed papers on it but we were within that month i thought oh i could just keep working down here i could just keep working down here and i kept pushing my start date up there she was just eventually curse 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 get up here you're done. I'm like, okay, all right. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So they're, all, they're always right. Yeah. <laughs> they're always right. It's like, I need to change. You got it. All right. So, so I moved in. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to say you've been in Indy for a while now. Yeah. Uh, we're all kind of, we're all homeboys. We're, we yeah. travel a bit, but like, <laughs> yeah, homeboy. <laughs> you're, my, we're, you're my homeboy. Yeah. Uh, we're all homers. Is that a better way to say Home it? Fry? Yeah. We're all very uh, Louisville-centric and kind of what we do on a day-to-day basis dealing with yeah. beer. You've been ingrained very much into the kind of uh, Louisville beer scene and now kind of into the indie beer scene too. Mm-hmm. Has anything jumped out at you as kind of, I don't know, differences in the drinking patterns, differences mm-hmm. in, I mean, obviously the sports teams that they're into and stuff, but I don't yeah. know, anything notable uh, drinking culture here versus, you know, in indie and in and around the Indianapolis area? So I see um, Sours as like a big lead. Um, it seems like every Indianapolis uh, brewery has uh, some sort of kettle sour. I don't think that's the entire case down here, but it may not be. You you probably have more info than myself, of course. I'm only down every couple months, probably two or three months, um, but I'll stop and hit one or two places in between. Um, they have see, a lot of kettle. Kettle sour has become like kind of that flagship, I think. People yeah. are just, start, I mean, it's a lacto, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. but everybody seems to like at least throw a, a, a pitch at it to figure it out. Yeah, so they'll do a batch, and then you see such and such is sour, and then they might fruit in the next version or so. Okay, I see that a lot in indie, and then I also see um, generally sweeter beer. That might not be my whole 
set, but I see a lot more of, um, let's say, higher finishing gravity beers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may be, that's in the New England series, of course, but, you know, Brute is almost dead, dead out of the water as far as a style that's round everywhere. But a lot of higher finishing gravities, like the 10, 16, 10, 18s, 10, 20s, but you've got to hold it with something, right? You've got, either got to have that acid, that juice mm-hmm. to balance, or, I mean, started high enough that it feels balanced, right? So like an imperial stout that we're probably all going to see start spiking in the next month or two. Just a lot of sweeter beers, and it, it seems like the culture is drink more of the lighter, but guaranteed get yourself one of the heavier. Yeah. 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 I don't know if that's the same either. Does I, that feel like that? I personally subscribe to that. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, you guys have Daredevil up there. They yeah. make like world-class lagers. They're mm-hmm. fantastic. But you also have like Googman House, which is oh, awesome. Like great. And they're, they're, you know, in the hazy game and mm-hmm. like pushing things forward. Like a lot of people are doing as well. Um, it, and I think, yeah, there, there's still a little bit of that scarcity of like, I got to try this at least once, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm not I'm not probably buying like five or six to like sell her anymore. Yeah. Um, one main thing is that something that I see that's gone and I might just be old angry brewer here, but bombers. I miss bombers. Yeah, we uh, we talked about that uh, during the barrel panel. Oh, I have uh, so many bombers. <laughs> yeah. Like you're sitting on them in your cellar right now? They're underneath my bathroom cabinet. They're in my kitchen cabinet. I have three fridges. Are they full or empty? Oh no, they're they're full. Okay, good. Yeah. What's like your address? <laughs> Bring back bombers, folks. Yeah. Bring back the, bombers. I don't know. That that was part of that like culture too back in uh, 2015, 2016, 20, whatever. That's like, what most of these bottles are from. Yeah. 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 When or, you can get the later. good shit. And and it's not that it's bad that people are getting canned so we're moving from canned six pack to canned four pack i think is on a whole and that's great but sharing a pint of something is different than i have 22 ounces of something and it seems like the presentation is different too you treat it with a little bit more love on that end even though i am very much for aluminum for its infinite recyclability bombers should still be a thing yeah glass is very recyclable too uh and you're right. I've never heard anybody quite put it that way. But the presentation of a bomber is like, here it is. There's this nice, like, it takes two hands, usually, if you're going to, like, you know, make sure everything gets metered out. Um, it's almost it, like bringing a bottle of wine to it's a, a party. It's a know, big something. label. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it just simply looks better. But, like, when you're at home and this is just sitting in your cabinet, you're like, fuck, that's a lot of beer to drink. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to open one for yourself. You kind of look at it and go, well, I'll bring that to something, something someday. And it gets to be three years down the line and you're like, maybe I won't. (laughs) I like, I, it, I, like sometimes at the end of the night, I'll like open my fridge and I'd be like, man, I just, you know, just like sit at home, just like decompress a little bit. And I like open the fridge and I'm like, shit, I can't drink any of this. (laughs) And uh, my, my partner at the time was just like, what? Why not? And I'm like, it's all too big. Like yeah. it's yeah. all. It's just like, what do you mean? They're like cans, and I'm like, no, they're like twelve percent. Like yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, big in the alcohol. Percent. Yeah, I was like, I'm gonna pass out. <laughs> yeah. What am I gonna have? Like two uh, 
two and a half snifters of a 12 percent yeah that's I, no i want something to you know watch a movie or watch tv with and that's that's not it i want to have this on a dining room table with somebody and be like just look at it just look at the label <laughs> look how it pours let's <laughs> untap it together <laughs> yeah I'll, never drink snifters alone is yeah. the uh the name of this episode <laughs> i'll also put out that i made the mistake of at 10 30 at night opening up a can of uh atrium beans which is like an 11 percent oh. coffee stout with the massive amount of coffee in it and I, I got the same kind of like you you know there's a lot of coffee in that I'm like yeah but it's really good and they're like we're going to bet <laughs> did <laughs> like, you feel the effects like i'm not <laughs> i'm gonna be up until four <laughs> i have caffeine alcohol in myself <laughs> caffeine alcohol <laughs> But yeah, there is something about that bottle presentation that makes it a little more special that like you preserve it longer. But now now I just want to start a YouTube series called like Poor Decisions and it's just my fault for selling it too long. And this is all stuff that would have been great at the time. And uh, the, the adage that I always like roll back to is like the brewer decided when this was ready and then my stupid ass decided to hold <laughs> on to it for five more years. So this is really my fault. I'm hoping that it's the brewer because sometimes it's the marketing team. Mm. So that brewer was probably like, you can age it for 10 years. It's in a bomber. I don't care. Versus drink it within three years. I would I would hope that as you are aging things that you'd be tasting them and deciding at that point that this is the right time to release this and not the other way. But I, I'm sure it happens all the time. Like, we got to get this out. This is liquid. Like, got to right. move it. A friend of mine uh, and I are we thought about. We don't know if we're going to make the move on it yet, but we've thought about starting a distro only beer company that was only specialty releases. It would be one to two releases per year. It would either be in bombers or seven fifties, and it would be a presentation label of something that's like, look, this is something different and weird. It's treat it not like. Oh, I'll just throw them in the back of the Miata and like let them yeah. dingle around in the back seat. Nope, like this well, is like one, one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I definitely I, think there's room for that, and I, I miss that about that that part of our. I mean, that's when there were there were more beer shares and stuff like that back mm-hmm. then. You know. Yeah, yeah. I miss beer shares too. That's another. It's not that they're gone. I just yeah, they seem to be in. They've dwindled. Yeah, they've dwindled. I mean, COVID obviously put a. For sure. Kibosh and a lot of that stuff, too. And it was just like kind of getting back there. But yeah, the format, the bottle format changed and the culture changed. But I'm for it. Uh, yeah. Before we move off the topic, I had one yeah. more Indian- Indianapolis question. Yes. Uh, especially as somebody who's into physical fitness and stuff. How baller is the Indy Greenway? And why should Louisville get up on that shit? So I have a 15-mile trail that is within a mile of my house. I live just a couple miles from the center of town in a little blob called Irvington. If anyone knows that spot, it's like the, oh, not HB something, the serial first serial killer of America out of Chicago. What's yeah, Courtney name? will know if yeah. she's not listening. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> she, she definitely will know. That, uh, fuck, I'm not going to get there. I, my brain says H.D. Wells, and that's not right. <laughs> uh, I know. <laughs> I could so, text her, but uh, no, my phone's good. recording us. Anyway, yeah, yeah. The, so his first, um, let's say, on-par murder was in Irvington. Oh, and nice. So the house is super haunted. The whole town section basically shuts down for Halloween. Love like, it. we just got through this section where everybody's doing ghost tours on every street all the time. But there's two blocks away. There is um, a section of town that's got a 15-mile let on it. You're working on the name? What's his name? I, I want you to finish because okay. th- this deserves its own backstory. Okay, <laughs> okay gotcha. <laughs> so there's that one there. Or if I go 
two and a half miles up to the center, there's the Monon, which is old rail trail systems north, south. And in fact, they're expanding on that. It's, I want to say, 40 miles, something like that. It is crazy, and I will ride on it every spring and summer day I can. Now, the Greenway, I think New Albany's done a great place to Mm -hmm. put that there to connection. And again, I was living in New Albany, biking to there. I would have only used streets if it weren't for the Greenway to get there. But once in Louisville, there's kind of some dead spots, right? There's some. There's a lot of dead yeah. spots. Cyclist dead spots. Yeah, yeah. Not like for the sake. Cyclists of will right. die <laughs> yeah. if yeah, they yeah. drive on Louisville yep. roads. So there's to take what Indy has that has. I'm not sure when they started the project, but it was like the late '80s, early '90s. They started cleaning it up, and they're still working on it. So yeah. I don't think that Louisville has done a bad job. I think just. Don't let it go. Don't yeah. let go of the project. They're different cities, too, because, right. like, Indy is so sprawling. There are more spaces than there are in a lot of parts of Louisville. But like you said, it's just because they didn't allow them to get infilled. Like, they had a little mm-hmm. bit of a forward-thinking goal. But, I, yeah, that the little I, – I, I said the Greenway, but just the whole, like, kind of walking trail, biking trail system. Yeah. There's so much space left open. The little, like, rivers, the mm-hmm. channels, canals the canal that they set. have. That it's so gorgeous. pretty and so nice. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Um, Can I talk about murder yeah, yeah, now? I was gonna yeah. say. Let's talk about murder. Wait, did murder. we just become a murder podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're we, gonna, this would be our best listen to episode ever. <laughs> we could have become a murder podcast, but uh, I the reason that struck me so like deeply, I've been rewatching Mindhunter, which is mm. where you know the FBI develops method to identify serial killers as they come about. And you said serial killer. It was not H.G. Wells. It was H.H. H. Holmes. There you go. Uh, better known as Dr. Henry Howard Holmes. There you go. Uh, he fits all all of the things so not only do they call him a con artist and a serial killer uh this was back in the 1800s at the dawn of the 1900s he was also engaged in a lengthy criminal career that included insurance fraud forgery swindling oh yeah three to four bigamous illegal marriages horse theft and murder so he actually like wait wait horse theft fuck this guy So, Everything else is tolerable. I mean, so so he was like really taking advantage of this during the Chicago World Columbian Exposition in 1893. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had commissioned this house that he called the Murder Castle. Oh, he's the Devil in the White City guy. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. It's all and, coming together. And like as they interview him, he like continues to like change his story and say he's possessed by Satan and that he's Hell innocent. Yeah. Um, this is. This is a terrible person, and they murdered him. Well, they they killed him. Uh, but what got me is he like they only proved fourteen mm-hmm. of his killings, but he confessed to twenty seven. And so. did, is he the one where they found like a shit ton of bodies in the basement, like after he died and they but, repossessed the house or whatever? There that was, was Melignato, and that's here. Yeah, that happened in too. Louisville. Yeah. yeah, didn't know uh, about that one, but yeah. that's gonna haunt my dreams. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, this guy sucks, but uh, if Mindhunter ever got rebooted because they canceled after two seasons, like jerks, um, <laughs> it would be really cool to pull it back to 1800 and start yeah, with the original. Sure. I think that would be cool, kind of start with the horse theft episode. Where <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Honestly, he's <laughs> <laughs> like, I just got on and kept it rode. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> We're friends now, but I, I do want to like I could be accused of swindling. I guess I don't mm. know what how severe the. Like punishments are, but I guess they're grading to swindle, swindling, uh, swindling grade two. I'm sure, I'm sure there's like a, a degree of which you swindle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've like, swindled the third degree. I think sure. I swindled a few times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's my confession. Um, it, it's probably a good time that we take a break from serial killing. Um, yeah, let's not, yeah, and, and nothing to do with that at all. Um, 
we're going to have an Underberg because we've had a few beers now. Um, this is a great way to kind of relax your stomach. Uh, great palate adjuster for when you've had a few beers or big meal. Uh, this is a generationally produced product over centuries now. Five generations of excellence. Five generations of excellence. And we love to have them on this podcast. They're in such a convenient little bottle. So, Mike, cheers. 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 Whatever that is in Underbergia. That was great. Uh, I got a lot of bubbles in my ear that time. Yeah, I got a little the uh, Norwegian effect. Yeah, where you're supposed to like if you plug up your ears while you do it, you hear glug glug glug. I heard glugs. It's like a little. I, I call it like a babbling brook and like a Norwegian fjord kind of sound effect. Wow, thank you, Ragnarok. And also thanks Inderberg for sponsoring our uh, from Save to Glass panel during Level Beer Week. That was awesome. We really really Ooh. enjoyed you guys uh, being out there for that. Yeah, if you haven't seen that episode, it's full of industry experts talking about the way that barrels are treated, what goes into barrels, how it comes out of barrels. There was a full tasting with different ages and maturities on it, and also several beers that were sampled throughout the event. Uh, this is the second year we've done it. I hope we do it again next year. It was really a blast. Thank you, Third Turn, for hosting that. Yeah. Um, in their actual barrel room, which is lined full of barrel staves. Uh, very, very cool event. I'm very thankful f- for the panelists for coming out. If you want to listen to that, it is maybe like two episodes, two episodes back. back. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good information there. May I put a, a plug in that's kind of shared with that? Yeah, of course. The, since John, you personally, but you as well, like this, this center of beer education and discussion, if anyone who's listening is a home brewer with that, all effective need to start their own brewery or work as a brewer as someone who's gone up in that in an awkward the awkwardest of stages <laughs> beer education beer talks and community like you can never have enough and i appreciate you both for putting this out there and existing in a time that beer education seems to be dwindling also and that's kind of the rebirth of that kind of culture like mm-hmm. it was back then because we were all just getting into it because we were fucking nerds mm-hmm. and like we just wanted to like make some weird shit. Not on my hat, but yeah, for sure. I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the exact same. <laughs> I, no, I identify with that. Yeah, I, I like I continue to learn even when I think I've got like most of the primary stuff down after, you know, eight plus years. And then I meet someone from St. Louis or outside of Illinois that's like, hey, we ferment all our beers with sourdough yeast. And I'm like, that doesn't seem possible. And they're like, <laughs> everything you just drank was sourdough yeast. And I'm was like, that, was that distill? No. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, it was actually Scratch. Shout out Scratch. Ah, no, I haven't uh, had them. Need yeah, to. Fantastic. Uh, if you can make it out there. Uh, John, you prepared a game for us this evening? Yeah. Um, we do have a little game for you, Mike. We talked a little bit about your. Uh, you know, background in beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abel, I did ask you earlier, is a German, German-oriented name. We also know that you're into physical fitness. We've touched on that briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do know that, you know, the, the whole Germanic history, very uh, macho, very macho men, very much into that Euro training circuit type uh, training. So we've prepared a little game for you here. Um, I don't exactly know what I want to call it, <laughs> but we are just going to call it Bier oder Euro training. So the name of the game is Beer Euro Training, and I've got some kind of obscure German words. We all know that there's a lot of history in kind of weird beer culture in Germany as well. Uh, Your job, I'll give you the uh, word, 
And then I'll give you two definitions for the word, one having to do with beer, one having to do with exercise or physical training. Mm-hmm. Your job is to figure out, is it beer related? David hasn't seen these, so you guys can play together. Okay. Uh, beer related or is it related to physical exercise? We'll do a test batch just to get you guys into the spirit of the game here. Uh, so our first one could be something like Croissant. Real definition, a frothy head that forms on fermenting beer. Fake definition, a dynamic stretching exercise for breaking up fascia along your spine. And you you would choose, is it beer or exercise? Beer or training? Legally both, but I guess beer. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah, (laughs) correct. And then the uh, literal translation, fermentation bubbles, apparently, is what that literally translates to, depending on how you define those things, according to ChatGTP. All right. So we all understand the game? Mm-hmm. All right. So number one, and pardon my uh, German pronunciation for all of our German listeners, um, a Fossenstich. A Fossenstich. A ceremonial act of tapping a beer to serve uh, its contents or a targeted abdominal exercise resembling bending to tighten your boots. A Fossenstich. I think Fossenstich would be tying yeah. the boots. Right? Or were you thinking the opposite? Yeah, I was thinking like faucet. like Faucet being faucet. Like, faucet. so for the tapping. Yeah. Like now, I will warn you, David knows, but whenever, whenever we do these games, I always try to be a little tricky sometimes, too. So don't... I could I be trying to trick you. I know, but the, the, the stich, uh, that warrants back earlier. I'm going to so, go German, yeah. German? Well, they're all German. It's either beer-related <laughs> or, tr- uh, or training, circuit training-related. Go French. God, yeah. I caught on to us. We were going to do Yeah, yeah. All right, so you guys are going exercise. I yeah. go exercise. The literal translation, false and stitch, keg tapping. <sighs> it's the ser- it's like so basically if we were doing like the mayor coming to Oktoberfest to tap the keg, yeah. that would be the false and stitch when you they would the like the guy from Ohio Valley Wrestling. Yeah, that guy. Okay. That guy. False and stitch, the keg tapping, ceremonial act of tapping a beer to so, serve to uh it's to serve its contents. So is it, to break that apart is stitch the tapping portion? I thought or you spoke German. I thought you're I, the, you're the German guy. It's it's in there. Yeah. But it's not. That's out why there. I did the boots thing because it was like stitch. So I was <laughs> yeah. like, they'll think it's like tying your boots, okay, fastened so. stitch. So that was I tried to fake you guys out. All right, so that's the that's how you fake it. Yeah, I got you. I'm yeah. reading the reading. Now double fake out. This one will just be completely literal. Gotcha. Um, the German word is spoonlock. Spoonlock. The opening in a barrel where a stopper or bung is inserted. Or a term for lifting a medicine ball until all your joints are fully extended and locked. It's the barrel. It's the barrel. Yeah. Spoon locked. Spunding. Is Spund. the barrel hole. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. the bung hole. Literal translation, allegedly. All right. You guys got that one. Right. Congratulations. Number three. Kraftausdur. Kraftausdur. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a transfer protocol for ensuring the endurance of a beer's flavor over time. The ability to exert strength over an extended period, crucial in fitness training. Say the word again. Kraftastur. There's no guarantees I'm pronouncing that correctly. Kraftastur. Kraft. I'm going to go exercise just because we haven't had one, but I I haven't brushed up on my run high school lately. (laughs) But it would be ensuring the... So for for beer, it would be a transfer protocol. So it's Mm -hmm. a protocol for ensuring the endurance of beer's flavor over time. So MGD would probably call that like cold filtration mm-hmm. or like something like that. I don't, I don't really know. That sounds like bullshit. Yeah. Uh, so for exercise, it'd be the ability to exert strength over an extended period. So we might call that like 
not circuit training, but yeah, like just yeah. strength conditioning or something. That might be the, like the way we would describe it. Um, I think I think I'm in agreement with you, just because the Germans were notably for like to preserve the flavor and set. It was keep it cold, keep it separated, and draw off what need be. So Send it I, to I th- America. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So exercise. Uh, it means strength endurance. All so right. you guys got that one. All right. We like it. We like it. Uh, our next one is Hopfensportung. Hopfensportung. The process of dividing and processing hops for brewing beer. So kind of like hop harvesting, I guess. And then dividing them up into like whatever they call those. Pellets or bales or whatever, like bricks. Yeah. Or an exercise involving a split jump where you divide the full maximum vertical jump uh, into like units, I guess. I don't know what that means exactly, but. That's the beer one. It's Hopfen, and I don't think jump is Hopfen, so. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) No, it's hop. You're hopping. Hopfen. Yeah. Hopfenspaltung. Uh, it means a hop splitting. You guys nailed yeah. it. You guys got that <laughs> one on the fucking nose. All right. So that's, I guess, when they just get them through the whatever and they bail them up and they dole them out into uh, usable chunks for the breweries. Uh, our next German or uh, our next German word for either beer or exercise is Ausdauerlauf. Ausdauerlauf. Is it a sensory training session that involves a full day of tasting and evaluating exor- and evaluative exercises? Uh, or a long-distance running exercise focused on building stamina. Ausdauerlauf. Ausdauerlauf. A I mean, full the, day of sensory training or a long-distance running exercise. The lauf would mean like getting rid of something, right? So we would be like jettisoning something. So if it just means like peeing a lot, <laughs> it like it. a full like day's it. worth of testing. <laughs> I, now I'm confusing myself. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have a strong opinion on this one. Uh, I will go with beer. I'm, I'm thinking beer too. If they have a term for this, I want, a, I want an English I know. term I for wanna, it. Yeah, we yeah. need to create it like if, because if, you guys are wrong. It's uh, an endurance run. It's kind of like a mini marathon. or it's, like, it's just a way to train for that, apparently. It's a way to train up for endurance running. Gotcha. Uh, but we need to develop a day-long sensory training we could have a whole beer festival based around it, essentially. Piss and mutchin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, our next uh, comp- our next uh, contender for you guys uh, is Mulls Extract. Mulls Extract. Uh, a syrupy substance derived from malted grains used in brewing beer or a nutritional supplement taken by athletes derived from germinated grains. That could... M A L Z E X T R A K T. You can like just eat DME. Yeah, you could. <laughs> you sure could. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I'll defer to personal fitness to, to see. Well, the the weird part is like uh, the the I guess German European bubble. Whenever they would train for Olympics, they would like low alcohol beer, but they would also have a malt extract syrup because you had lots of. Um, Bioavailable, like yeah, nutrients carbs. for yeah, it. It would yeah. just basically be carb availability, and then you would have zinc, B vitamins, all the extracts. Basically, what yeast want is what we want. So, I'm leaning exercise. I I'm gonna side with you, exercise, but malls extracts. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> I mean, so yeah. why not? So it literally does translate to malt extract, 
But that was kind of a trick question because in Germany, beer is regarded as basically a sports drink. Okay. Like they will drink it for recovery. Like they'll basically drink it for anything, of course. Yeah. Uh, but uh, technically, malt extract <laughs> was malt extract. So is that a half a point? Yeah, we're going to call, it a, full, we're gonna call right. it a full point because that right. one was kind of a trick question. I also have a keeping score, so that'll be up to the <laughs> listeners to go back. Plus a thousand. Uh, yeah. Please tell me this is like the last one. <laughs> oh, we can go as long as you want, David. Hantelschwung. Hantelschwung. What'd you call me? A long tool with a rigid <laughs> handle for breaking up the deepest parts of the mash uh, or a weightlifting exercise involving swinging a dumbbell. Hantelschwung. Isn't that just like a kettlebell? Yeah, a kettlebell, but I, they wouldn't call it that for sure. They would call it a Hantelschwung. But I'm also picturing a mash paddle, long stick. It's got handle in it. Handle. Schwung, paddle? Schwung. Wouldn't it be paddlestufen or something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with a paddle. Paddle? Yep. Mash paddle? It's literally kettlebell. No! <laughs> it's a, a dumbbell swing, <laughs> no! essentially. Yeah, it's a dumbbell swing. I, I, I leaned into the handle to try to make the fake one. So. That's good. That's good. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Hentel uh, Schwung. All right. I got a couple more here. I hope everybody's oh enjoying God. playing along. <laughs> no, this is great. I'm going to crack Chapter a beer two. if that's all right. Yeah, please do. So, so um, let's just let's talk about the beer because I just need a, I need a small bird from German. All right, all right, all right. Do you? <laughs> I do. Well, this is our uh, to mine uh, winter warmer ale. Yeah, it's uh, it's Scotch ale, wee heavy. Uh, it's marketed as a winter ale for those who know. Uh, just for the sake that Fork and Ale House is mainly a restaurant first with a brewery addition, so it's not necessarily the first note is beer, but. Everything that is beer has to go with food. So when something comes out and say, well, what about this spicy sandwich? Well, West Coast IPA, bang, bang, hops and spice. So people know what to pair them with, but the food comes first and the beer is the positive addition. I love that. Hopefully. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully, yes. Um, So this is just my version of it, and it's at 6.9, and we were talking shillings. Do you know the shilling uh, degradation? I, I don't have it in my head, but 70 versus 90 versus... I've heard it described different ways, either in terms of like how sweet it is. I mean, it has, and then it has to do a lot with you, the final gravity. But then it usually incri- implies like a little bit of a bump up in the ABV as well. Mm-hmm. But I don't know the scale. Okay, that's that's more of my thought too. I'm trying to think of exactly what that was, and I've learned it once, but that's within a decade ago, and I don't remember. Because <laughs> it'd be like a single shilling ale would be like the cheap stuff, yeah. double shilling, kind of like in Belgium, like a single versus a double versus a, except like on a smaller scale, it seems yeah. to me. Yeah. And it, it just, it's, you know, tax purposes, how much alcohol yeah. with the finishing. Yeah. And that was the whole thing about like export beer back in the day too. It had to be under a certain, I think just ABV. There might've mm-hmm. been other things that they judged that on, but that was the main thing. They didn't want the workers getting too fucked up. Just enough beer to have your lunch break and get back to work. You <laughs> You're like... Yeah. You can either have one two shilling or two one shillings yeah. for lunch. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, fine. Six pence, none the richer. Oh, <laughs> kiss me. <laughs> this smells really nice. Uh, this is everything that I love in a Scottish ale. It's that caramel note coming through. It's that kind of English yeast character, but it's lighter than like a London ale or an ESB. It's like... So funny you make mention of that. I use Apex London. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So... um if I were to take that and where it would get, you know, juicy on that side, it leaves me with enough finishing gravity too that I'm like, okay, I was able to push the top notes of the beer without, you know, going completely dry like 106 or 10006, whatever the 1006. I'm going to mess up my numbers here. Um, 
but yeah, that's that leaves you with enough to go with, but it is dry. I think the final is either 09 or 10. Perfect. Yeah. Drink the mystery beer. Thank you, David, for the ASMR. No, that's a perfect Scottish ale. Cool. Um, and it actually has kind of a Caskill finish on it. It like it's I wouldn't say uh it's lower, pro- lower carb than you would get like mm-hmm. in a lager or something like it's that. It's approachable. Yeah. Like the uh, it's not oxidation character, but the lower carb mm-hmm. is basically allowing it to be a little more light. A little on, more playful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's those esters play a little bit more. And I think I was telling the people last night, you have to play with peat smoked malt. For anything that the previous brewer did, he got a good connection on peat smoked malt. I don't have it in front of me, but he has a paper with like the small malt house and you just buy direct from them and have it shipped. Is there a little peat in here, you said? You yeah. Said? Yeah, okay. it's 3% peat smoked oh, malt. Oh, okay. Well, let me reapproach this from that yeah. standpoint. Um, because a lot of the ones we get over here, they don't fuck with the peat smoke. Mm-mm. But um, that's his kind of secret weapon that he passed on. And of anything that I would believe of his, weirdly, this is great because it has that like melanoidin type raisiny yeah. sweet sappiness, but yes. it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't end up as it doesn't bite. sugar. Yeah, yeah. We had a. Uh, it was probably five, four, three. Nah, who the fuck knows? It was a couple of years ago. Uh, we had a customer from Scotland, and he oh. had grew up there, and he like came over here. He was like, all the fucking, all the Scottish... This is, let me try to refine my Scottish accent. <laughs> yeah, hold it's on. Like, hey, all oh, the- you could just say it in English. It's fine. No, no, no. I'm not going to do that. Have you heard this podcast before? I'm clearly not going to do it. You have to say it like, in all German these, All the these Scottish fucking... Accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These Scottish yells are shit, boy. Uh, we got to make one like... This is Irish. <laughs> anyway, he wanted to make a Scottish yell like it tasted, and we did three or four iterations, and we, would, we got some peat smoke malt in for him, and he would like tweak it and tweak it and tweak it and i think on his third or fourth iteration he was like this is it mm-hmm. this is fucking it we got it lad this tastes like it did in the old country that's uh, yeah anyway I, sorry I, folks I, sorry scotlanders and sorry for everyone from germany and from scotland <laughs> for everything you've had to hear in america honestly if you guys are listening to this but uh i, I was he just leaned gonna, in the peat smoked and he said that was what set it off yeah i was gonna ask because you all were like you said, a kitchen first, and mm-hmm. now there's brewery attached to it, which is complimentary. Are you designing beers like this that would go along with certain dishes that you all prepare? Not anything directly, but it's it's on the whole program. So my form on this is trying to get everyone um, certified beer server, or at least the knowledge they're in. So I hold... Right now, it's about once every two months, maybe three months, just some educational classes on what's different, taste this, taste that... But I would love if there was enough people on to say, okay, this is the next step. This is how you move beer. This is how you describe beer. And a lot of that, it's not that it's missed or anything. People just go, okay, dark. Okay, light. Okay, hoppy. There's one word rather than a full bounty of descriptors, which, again, going back to that education, I'm not going to fault anyone for that because that's what the world they came into is hoppy. Uh, sour, just one word descriptors. Well, and the vastness of it all does take a, f- I mean, a significant amount of investment, both personally and educationally, to like actually understand it and like to like knock down the pretentiousness of it. Like for me, the best bartenders or beer tenders are the people that can not only tell me like the the best question that a beer tender can ask me is like, "What do you like?" Mm-hmm. Because I know enough to navigate you through this instead of 
you know, I, I want something hoppy. What's your best triple IPA? And you're yeah. just like, yeah, I mean, this one sells a lot. You know, what, I would add yeah. a small addendum to that too. And like, yes, and, and it's not even necessarily about like knowing the right words or like knowing what something tastes like, but it's about learning how to talk to somebody about it. Sure. Because then you can help them figure out what they think because everybody's, you know, palate's different or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's like learning how to have that conversation. That's great. Yeah. But I was going to say that like your investment in time and the staff is, I'm sure goes far and beyond, you know, what is recognized as like, oh, we tasted through this stuff. Because if you're a server, you make more tips, you know, you can like sell a little more product. The overall business does better. The beer sells more. It's it's a good compliment to have with your business. And it just helps everyone too. I don't exist just to make beer and be out of the way, right? There, That should never be any person's one job unless they're hired let's let's be honest from a corporate standpoint as a shift brewer yeah that is if you're make, an ab and bev yeah. you should yeah make beer yeah. leave yeah uh but if you're on the side of a small business you should plug as many holes as you can as you see them and though i don't have a stake in this business it is my job it is my craft i, I like being part of it so I'd, why not give up you know, I think right now we're doing every now and then a, a Friday morning or a Saturday morning saying, look, these two beers have come out in this time. These three have come out in this time. What do you taste? So as an old beer tent, I say old. Word <laughs> 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 oh, of the day. Uh, whenever I used to. David just turned 30. We're all old. Oh, yeah. That's, that's we we uh <laughs> we have a local brewer uh makes fantastic beer and occasionally I'll give him feedback about like what's going on and his answer usually is I just make the beer. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm slowly mm-hmm. rolling that over to like yeah, I know you do and it's really good and it needs to be served this way. So mm-hmm. if you can do anything to influence that, like not that I mean, I care because I love this and I know how much work you put into it. But like, if you can have any influence on like how this is poured and how's it presented, like that, that goes a long way because I respect what you do and everyone else should too. Yeah. I I think that that's great. That's exactly what it is. And they're, they're probably, they've been hit in the face enough from the front lines that they might be just retreating kind of an ostrich style of like, you know what? I'm going to do what I do best rather than making that branch out. And I don't fault them for that either. No, I don't fault it. I mean, the, the brewing on its own is a laborious and unthankful job on a whole. So. Especially when you just go home and then read all the untapped and you're just like, <laughs> I don't want to talk to these people anymore. Untapped forever. <laughs> Burn it. <laughs> I'd rather talk to me to the face, please. Just come up and. Which is how it should be, yeah, right? Like, tell yeah. me, I don't like this beer because blank. That's fine. If you're the only person that says that in the next three years, neutral. Yeah. Just, bzz, yeah. It's gone. It's fine. We'll talk why, and I will get you to the right beer for you. But if we're going back to things that we don't understand, we can finish John's game. Good point. Good point. <laughs> well, instead of finishing my game, I, I would think moving into uh, something that <laughs> you brought for us. I only have a couple more. I got my, my best yeah. ones are all my best ones are all out before me. Okay. Uh, or behind <laughs> me, rather. Um, but we do sometimes ask our guests to bring a show and tell. Did you bring some things for us to, uh, I did. to show and so, tell and talk about? So the first beer related was these items here. So I okay. had these Hell sets. Yeah. Um, I just kind of the operation. I wanted to make sure that you tried things that were from both locations. Um, and then the second is kind of a two part, okay. if, if it makes sense. It's it's my life. Um, in it's now or never. <laughs> Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, I was wondering about that. I'm like, um, should I should I worry about copyright laws? Uh, is it the tortillas? It is not the tortillas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, there is a green handled item in there. Ooh. All right. This looks uh, very interesting. All right. So this is the smallest item that I could bring that makes total sense mm-hmm. for this. Um, it is a melodica. Are you all familiar? No. Is that a German word? <laughs> Melodukan. <laughs> I was going to guess, I mean, harmonica, melodica. Okay, yeah, I thought it might be a musical instrument. Yeah. It's just, I see Mark Rubile. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is, he does have one of these. I don't think it's this brand, but yes. It was at the, uh, like, anyway, go ahead. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> Shout I pulled, out Mark I pulled me. Yeah, he's the dude who yeah. does, like, the music shit. Yes. Oh, God. Keep going. No. Keep going. <laughs> How old are we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, I need to clip out just John. <laughs> I pulled a me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, I know. I know. Um, no, he. Uh, you're right. Actually, so this is an air-powered. Think of a harmonica if you put piano keys on it. Fuck yeah! All so right. it's called a melodica, and I just I really like the fact that I can goofball around and I can take a keyboard harmonica with me into space. Like I could, because I could make this work, but right into these third spaces that I'm talking about. If something or that you've brought up is sure. just somewhere else where I can go. Okay, I can share music. Parts of this may be annoying as hell, but <laughs> sometimes it's not. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's just one of those where it's kind of showing my love of other things, my love of other education sources. So music I've been involved with since I was sub age ten. Took piano lessons. I've uh, taught percussion. I did. Uh, the next part was kind of another show of music. So this is the non, this is one of two of the second non beer item. Okay. First, first right. item was beer related, which is the beer. The second is two musical items, but one of them's not musical. It's on me. Okay. What are the What are the things called? It's like the bagpipe, but it has keys. The accordion. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a bagpipe, but it has keys. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, for editing, zoom in on my face as he described that. Yeah, because while I we're went, drinking Scottish ale, I have no. <laughs> what? Could you? What? There's air keys. You yeah. can press it. Yeah, you basically got it. That's basically what that is. So this is pretty fun, and we'll see if this gets past the uh, market of it. But you just blow like normal. That is my favorite German tune. I saw Kanye use one of these once. (laughs) We were looking for a new theme song for the show, so that might be like the uh, the theme song now. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's it. Welcome to this podcast. (laughs) We are sorry. No, that was... uh, Did anyone recognize it? No, I don't think so. Is that from Zelda? I just rickrolled y'all. Oh. Was that it? That was it. Yeah. Never gonna give you up. Yeah. Never gonna <laughs> let you down. Never gonna play my harmonica and punk you. Melodica. 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 Thank play you, Melodica you. and punk you. So, Siri, play Melodica. Yeah. That was actually that's that'd fantastic. Be good. So this is just like a series where um, I keep this in my car pretty much all the time, much to the annoyance <laughs> of my girlfriend. So if I'm ever, if you're waiting, not annoying your girlfriend on a daily basis, right. you're doing it wrong. What, what am I doing? She's yeah. not your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you, it's just with one of your melodica things. in your car. And I will just put this, jump this out, and I will play 
like especially if I'm waiting on it for stop raining before I go in somewhere, I'll just play like <laughs> here comes the sun on it. And do, I do, do. <laughs> And if it doesn't get me either slapped or the Yeah. Look, like put that away or I'm taking away your food privileges kind of look. I can just imagine the look every time this like light green box <laughs> comes out like, No Put that away. Put what away? <laughs> or she has like a secret kazoo in her pocket and it's like, let's fucking go, baby. I can annoy you too. <laughs> and we annoy each other, we annoy each other together, and that's called love. I love our annoyances. <laughs> uh the second is kind of um the like the other, let's say one of three. So beer, not beer. The other not beer is a tattoo I have actually. Oh hell yeah. Um it is relative to music again, another side of my life that kind of blurs those lines of what education is and what I look forward to. I was, I've taught percussion for, well, it's been a while now, but at the time it was eight to 10 years and I don't anymore. It's just one of those things that evolves, but I play a lot of music at the house. I try to play other stuff. I'm into records, but when I was roughly 20 years old, I was not sure where I was going. I was teaching at two or three high schools. I was homebrewing, no, 20. I wasn't home brewing. <laughs> right, wait I was second. like, wait a minute. You're doing pretty well. If no. you're teaching at high schools and brewing while you're 20. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, that okay. came later. That All was right. probably 21, 22, because that's 10, 11 years ago now. So again, I'm losing time frame, but uh, I didn't know where I was going. I was teaching uh, percussion at high schools. So I would go and work Dairy Queen and that and bounce around. And, but there didn't seem to be a life for me. I was kind of... Uh, what people do in college, I condensed to a non-college lifestyle and was probably threatening my health for that stance. Uh, so I joined the Sacramento Mandarins. Uh, they are uh, a drum and bugle corps based out of Sacramento, California. Okay. And I played tuba with them. You can't call it professionally because I paid to do it rather than the <laughs> other way around. <laughs> but the, the rehearsals are long. It's in sun. You travel all the way through uh, the U.S. There's tours. There's How did you find this job? Yeah, <laughs> the reverse job. Um, the finals are in Indianapolis. So you see, yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's just a regional thing where I notice like that's really cool. That's fucking cool. And you end up with like that's cool. That's cool. They're based out of there. They're based out of there. And you go. You fly out and you audition. And if they like you, you put on a professional marching band show that is ten to twelve minutes long. And I played tuba, so that took all my air for all the life. But in that time of those practices and rehearsals, I was still treating my body poorly. I was treating my mind poorly. I didn't know exactly where I needed to be. But once the last rehearsal started, it was just kind of like, you need to be here. You need to be here. You need to be focused. You need to wake up at five in the morning off of a bus and you need to eat breakfast and then walk two miles to a rehearsal field and play tuba until eight o'clock at night and then you need to you know eat regularly in there and then you go to bed on an inflatable mattress and then you do it again the next day that's a thing that's actually you know that's actually kind of i wouldn't say well i won't say profound or whatever like but that kind of is like what the secret to life is is Mm -hmm. finding that thing that you can put at the top of the pyramid and it it changes throughout your life Mm -hmm. or whatever um but it's a really good antidote to like nihilism or it's a really good antidote to like listlessness to have something that you're just like okay like this is what I'm going to go with. This is what feels like my calling or this is what feels like I need to or I want to do. This is what yeah. makes it fun to wake up every morning and go through the suffering of life on a day-to-day basis. Does that kind of what you're saying? It it 
it gave me a reason to not be self-destructive. Yeah. So in the same way that like I was creative and homebrew, but then a lot of people in the beer industry also take that as, well, I can just push the knob to 11 every day. Nope. Nope. You get about one or two days a month where you can push that knob to 10, one day a year where you can push it to 12. And that's like, know where your limits are. So that helped me know where my limits were with either self-destructive behavior or how I was treating my my time really and like my body and I just got in shape really fast and played tuba all summer and then got home and my family needed some time there so I was just like okay zoom out to here zoom in over here and I just spent time with my family and I understood like now I understand things things are clicking into the wheels because I am 12 times as disciplined as I should should have been for that time frame Mm -hmm. yeah so I think a lot of times when people need that gap year for separation pre and post college, I've I've done kind of dabbled crisscross colleges between different places. Nothing's really fit, but a lot of times when people have that break to go, oh, this is important. That 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 was all. So the tattoo is the core emblem on my shoulder. All right, you guys show it. I thought show you were going to say tuba. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that would be cool to have a tuba tattoo. Yeah, it might I, be next. The reason. Burr, uh, burr, burr, burr. The, uh, That's not a tuba. No. Wait. Well, it's a whole brass group, technically. And now I'm caught on my own shirt. Fun story about that, too, because in between rehearsals, my buddy Casey and I, he, uh, we were going to get our nipples pierced. Hell yeah. And as, as you them, do. Yeah. And then have them chained together. Mm. But, as you do. Yeah. But I had spent all my money on the entrance of this drum corps, and I went, okay. <laughs> I can I no longer afford to have my nipples chained to yours, good sir. So he got his nipples pierced, but we didn't get the chain because I got my ear pierced mm. because that's all I had money for. And having an ear chained to a nipple, that'd be weird. So it was. So So the funny story about him, Casey, also, he has his on his heart. I have mine on my shoulder. I love so it. it's just one of those where I love like, it. Especially after that year, I was like, yep, I'll put ink on my body. That forced me in the right direction. Yeah. I'm, in, I'm in a good place. The shoulder was cheaper than the chest. <laughs> I don't know. It's still like, <laughs> in fact, I came in and let's say I was like, maybe I put it like this. And the tattoo artist is like, I'm just going to see this. <sighs> Let me just see if this looks okay. And I'm like, I like it better. It's more expensive. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It looks right. So it's fine. Those are the good moments to like, especially when you have a moment where you connect with something uh, about the universe or about yourself or whatever. Those are good tattoos. Yeah. yeah. Do you all have tattoos? I have a few. No, because I'm going to heaven. Yeah, that's good for you. Have fun. Have fun burning in <laughs> hell, guys. I've read the Bible. I know what's up. This is like but but pretty- you've ingested squid, so that's ink. No, yeah. that's the different. That's the other Bible. He goes, no, wait, no, no, what? No. Trust <laughs> me, trust <laughs> me. There's also like pretty substantial evidence that like tattooing is a carcinogen. It will probably like kill you. But yeah, you know. so so will life. So I've got like a few, but like that's just like passive suicidal ideation, I guess. But, yeah, yeah. Are, are, let's have this last beer and let's yeah. let's go through plugs and let's let's wrap it. Go through plugs. Yeah. Am I getting hair extensions? No, no, no. There's no uh, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by whatever. I don't know. Let's John shine. Stamos. <laughs> <laughs> Did he get hair plugs? No, that was always the joke. In have the mercy. Show. Like, okay. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Oh, so the hair, the hair. So it's brought to you by Yogurt and the Beach Boys. Let's fucking go. 
There we go. Let's fucking go. I like that reference. I'm here for that. Uh, is this one of yours? It is one of mine. Hell yeah. There's plenty more, by the way, if uh, we are to drink post-show. No. That never <laughs> happens. What? <laughs> so this is called Hopping Hound. It's one of those. It was an older recipe on there, but I essentially fixed it up a little bit. So it's more in the new new vein of hops, but it's two malts, three hops. Uh, it is technically a two-stage. Um, it smells like an old-school like West Coast IPA. Bingo. Bingo. And uh, did you can it? I did, yeah. Uh, from the brewery? Yeah, uh, from tap. Wow. It, like, uh, it's creamy in the head. It's holding that. Like, the head yeah. is really creamy, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is completely traditional West Coast. Oh, yeah, dude. That's fantastic. That's what I want is whenever I go somewhere, I'm like, do you have a West Coast? Again, we've talked about before, like no shade on hazy IPAs because that's that's a thing that people want and that seems to be part of the industry and everybody enjoys it. I do as well. But my palate was kind of raised on this. Yeah. So I'd oh, rather yeah. go back. And that's okay. This to me, the way I would describe this is like it's uh the first thing you get is just that light citrusy orange peel kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Then but then the, the the balance is in that the bitterness and I'm assuming there's a little bit of some kind of a caramelized crystal malt, something very low. Yeah, but enough just to balance that little bit of IBU that's actually there. Like it's actually got some bite, rounds up perfectly. It's very it's good. Sixty five IBU and uh, shoot, I can't think. It's like ten Levy Bond caramel, like caramel yeah, ten. Perfect. Just perfect. a little. Yep, I love it. It it this is not a knock. It tastes super heavy for like five percent. Mm-hmm. Like it's got every malt characteristic in there, and then that bitterness just cuts straight through it. Now uh, this reminds me of beer that I started drinking. Yeah, <laughs> when I started drinking, uh, which is a good thing. I love the reminiscent aspect of it. Like it's it's far beyond what is like standard like it's not dry like mm-hmm. it's just big malty backbone to support all the bitterness that comes through um which is weird because you would think i'm I'm using i would say two new school hops it tastes like a sea hops circle if, if i were to like put that on paper but it is galena mm. uh citra mosaic perfect so just a little lime candy orange, but then enough of it in the right bittering places on the hot side that you end up with this chewy West Coast that still has a finishing IBU. Yeah, yeah. I get like total Cascade. Yeah, and see, that's what I thought through. too. Yeah. Galena and Cascade, I feel like are like bedfellows. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This takes me all back. What is uh, what is what does Nietzsche say? Three designations of the soul I shall grant uh, to thee. Yes. Uh, to be the lion, to be the camel, and then to at last become the child again. That's and we're all becoming the child in our love of like these fucking craft beer old school shit that we grew up on in that era of like 2015, 2016. That's 20, great. I thought, I thought we made it almost through an entire episode without a Nisha reference. <laughs> no, and no, I just, it's not going to happen. I can really never escape that. But um, as we wrap this up, Mike, thank you for coming yeah. on. I appreciate it super much. No, thank you all for having me. I appreciate yeah, this. Thank you. Um, if there's anything that I can do to help the beer scene between Louisville and the Indianapolis or Carmel market, please let me know. Because I think you can make like daily trips down. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Bring yeah. beer yeah. inside. I'm not. I, I mean, you walk 12 miles through, you know, <laughs> inclement weather. Um, I'll just take the train. You know, that active train that's happening right now. Yeah, we we have a train. 
Uh, <laughs> really, really good mass transit system. Really, really mm-hmm. good. Yeah, we got little air rail. It's, yeah, yeah, it's coming. Yeah. Wait yeah. a minute. We we <laughs> built a monorail system in 2015. Didn't the uh, Simpsons the, do that? The city destroyed it. Yeah, Simpsons always did it first. <laughs> yeah, John always did it first. Before we close out, do you have anything to plug for this week? Um, I think mine's gonna. I hope not to be sycophantic here, but I will shout out Indy, uh, Indianapolis. Do you use words people don't know. Sycophantic would just be like sucking up, whatever. I don't want to sound like a suck up here. A sick, a sicko fanboy. Fan. Yeah, sick, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. But anyway, uh, so one of the things we, Courtney and I like to do is take little day trips. So mm-hmm. Cincinnati, Nashville's a little far. Indy is an excellent day trip. Yeah. People here in Louisville listening, uh, it's like a, once you're on the highway, it's literally like an hour. It's yeah. like an hour 20 to get to Ikea. It's probably an hour 30 to get to your place. It's Yeah, once you're on the interstate, like it's it's closer to two hours but if seriously if you're off for the day and come up the children's museum those who have parents pop up there for the children's museum have a beer while you're at it doesn't even have to be mine i don't care there's so many good little small breweries as well there's so and um one of the things that i like about any two is that the kind of like louisville like the downtown's not exactly why you come there although there are really cool things downtown but there's so many cool districts in indy mm-hmm. uh the like art museum uh the children's museum uh i can't remember the name of the park but we went to like this really cool old like park oh the art park with the pillars and the, the hundred acres the is the one and, yeah. yeah that's super fun so there's so much good stuff to do in indy and there's really good beer really good food it's an excellent day trip so May I make a, a pairing pairing shout out yes. to someone who's near me? Of so I'm in Irvington and kind of a south near me. Um, there is a brewer pair um, called Kismetic. That, that's their brewery, Kismetic Beer Company or Kismetic Brewing. They uh, they've just been awesome. So I I really they've been awesome in collabs through Ash and Elm. Um, working with any time I need something or having questions. Uh, we have a similar Blickman fermentation series and whatnot, so I'll ask him occasionally on something weird that's gone. I always forget you guys have Blickman up there. It's, it's right. I've driven to go yeah. get seals on the door <laughs> on the same day. Just like, I need this today. They're like, okay, sure. Show up at the warehouse. Bang, bang. Uh, but yeah, it, Kismetic Brewing or Kismetic Beer Co., um, Fantastic, especially if you're going up to Indy. Please, please. It's they just got named uh, number two, either number two or number three USA Today best new bar in in the nation. Okay, that's so, I, lo- I love the name. Yeah, Kismetic. Yeah. I love it. Do you have anything to plug, Mike? We usually sometimes it'll be like shows you're watching or oh, like yeah. games you're playing or like uh, I was I was gonna do Adolf Hitler because I found a really good podcast about it. It's called Adolf Hitler: The Rise and Fall. It's like one of the best podcast series I've ever heard. So, but then I did the German thing. So I was like, I'm I gonna, was just, yeah, yeah. Are you going to tie that all together and just yeah. <laughs> make it a nice package for fascism? It's just anything you've been into, basically. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Black books. The British podcast it? series. Yeah. With right. uh, what's his name? Ah, fuck. Or not? Not the podcast series. The, mo- the, the movie. Yeah, the yeah, show. The, the show. Yeah. The the TV podcast. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Uh, Dylan uh, Moran. Yeah. And yeah. then the other guy with the long uh, hair. Ian Mullaney. Yeah. Fucking Mel, amazing. Mulhan, Mul something. But they're both amazing comics. So I watch a lot of British TV in my spare time. Taskmaster also. Oh, dude. Yes. That's uh, one of my favorites. Alex Horn and the guy. Ooh, Greg Davies. Greg Davies. Oh. He's fucking awesome. Yeah, dude. Uh, I sit here at this computer in the homebrew shop sometimes if it's slow and I just watch Taskmaster shit. Please and I'm do. like, why can't our podcast be as good as Taskmaster? Plug to Taskmaster new episodes of this season every Friday on Taskmaster slash YouTube or inverted that whatever dot com. 
Hell yeah. That's an excellent <laughs> shout out. Yeah. That's, it just gives me so much joy. Have you seen it? No. Uh, that's I tried the, to make him watch it one time. <laughs> that's the first time a guest has plugged another podcast on our podcast, and I'm here for it. Oh, it's a, it's a TV you. show. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a TV oh, show. Okay. Well, you said the TV show that I said well. that. I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. I was wrong. <sighs> yeah. I, I can sandwich them together because technically there is a Taskmaster podcast, but the show is better. So I'd rather watch the visual podcast that is TV. Oh, okay. David, what do you got for us? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've thrown you off a bunch right, right you now. You guys left a lot on the table. You uh, need to say it in German. I did. Uh, uh, shoes. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> like the things you wear on your feet. Uh, those are pretty important. Um, if you've never had really like okay shoes that actually support your foot. Uh, when you leave your 20s, you have to do that. You mm. got to wear stuff on your feet, especially if you want to like move pretty quickly, a.k.a. run. I mm. don't know the German word for run, but we are running. Oops. So um, shout out shoes. Hoka, sponsor us. It's great. If you can drink beer and run in Hoka's, that's awesome, too. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do right now. So I've seen you running by the shop a couple times this week. I have. You've been uh, getting it. My house to the shop to home is five exactly a 5K. Yeah. Yeah, a 5K? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's been the, the route. Uh, it's been pretty interesting to actually feel what shoes feel like. When you like grow up skateboarding for like 17 <laughs> years, all your shoes are flat, and you don't actually have any support, and you don't actually walk correctly. Trainer I'm going to have to talk to a doctor about that. <laughs> Trainer mode activated. So these training sessions that you have to pray for, for 5K, what's, uh, do you schedule? Is it once a week, twice a week? Uh, so I didn't prepare for the 5K. My girlfriend said, get off the couch. We're running a 5K. So we did it. You did it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's good. And I survived. It was fine. Uh, we actually did the first one the other day where I didn't stop running. So that's good. That's um, actually, that's fucking awesome. But we're going to do, what was the word for the mini marathon? The actor Inkenhunkenstrunk. Yeah. So so we're doing the Kentucky Derby mini marathon. So oh, hell yeah. What's five, that, 15 miles? No. Uh, 13 point. So around the time May rolls around, I should be well in one place. Uh, enough about running. Uh, no, that's nah, good. Never yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. yeah thank, thank you, Mike. You Everybody appreciate take a trip good. up. Uh, visit Fork and Elm House. And um, also, while you're there, take a trip to Ashton Elm. Also delicious cider. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Meow. Yeah.